to talk with them and hear their story and hear their heart. So be ready. I would say to you that next week is going to be Testimony Sunday. There's going to be no preaching. We want to hear from God what He's doing in your life. So there will be an opportunity for an open mic. For you to share what God is doing in your life in a few moments. That we might be encouraged. That we might be lifted up that we might be visibly begin to see and hear what God is doing in our midst. I spoke last week about power plants, about energy failures, about blackouts. We live in a day of increasing energy shortages. The world has ever-increasing energy demands in the face of ever-decreasing energy supplies. Power outages are becoming more frequent. The cost of heating our homes and driving our cars continues to escalate. And with all the global warming talk, the search is on for some kind of clean, renewable energy source. Under these circumstances, or sorry, under these conditions, it would be utterly inconceivable if a great number of people had access to a free and readily available source of energy but failed to use it. And yet many Christians seemingly do this very thing with regard to their Christian life. God has provided us in an, an, an inexhaustible, free, readily available source of power to live the Christian life. And yet many Christians do not use the power of God which has been given to overcome temptation and the darkness that entices us. Let's take a moment to stop for prayer. Father in heaven, Holy Spirit, I pray that what is spoken of at this moment within the walls of this sanctuary are words that you want to be spoken. Words that you want for us to understand. Correct any human error that might be on the pages of my notes. For I truly are fleshly. But powerfully work us towards the truth that you might be glorified, Jesus, and that you, Holy Spirit, who indwell us, would begin to have more control. Grant the blessing, our Lord, in the precious name of the resurrected Lord, Jesus. Christian men and women and young people often find themselves struggling with fleshly desires because they find themselves powerless in their spiritual walk. Instead of allowing the Holy Spirit to produce His fruit in their daily lives and relationships, many Christian workers, which I include myself in, have burnout serving the Lord because they do not avail themselves to the power of God and what He offers 
in the indwelling spirit. It has been said, Christian life is not difficult. But I suggest it is absolutely impossible apart from the power of the Spirit of Christ. Jesus said in John 15, apart from me you can do nothing. We do not have the ability in our DNA to do and become what God wants us to become without Jesus. We can't do it. We're powerless. And in John 14, Jesus identified the Christian life must be a spirit-filled life. Listen to John 14. And I will ask the Father, and He will give you another advocate to help you and to be with you forever, the Spirit of truth. The world cannot accept Him because they, either, because they neither see Him nor know Him, but you know Him, for He lives in you. He lives in you. God's Word often speaks about walking wisely to redeem the time in these days of evil. The Apostle Paul continually encouraged the early church to live as lights in darkness. That's what we read this morning when Paul said, be very careful then how you live not as unwise, but as wine, as wise, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. A cautious word comes from the apostle. Be careful how you live. Because connected to how you live is either light or darkness. They cannot be the same. Light destroys darkness. And Paul is saying, therefore be cautious. Don't be foolish. Be careful how you live. He goes on to say in verse 18, do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit. I've read that verse many times over my Christian experience. I have personal understanding of that verse. I have personal understanding about what it means to be drunk on wine. I lived my life until I was 35 in that world. And I know what drinking and drunkenness can do to you. It can break down your inhibitions. It'd give you some sort of false courage. And that false courage always leads to darkness, not to light. Paul's words are interesting. Debauchery is, moder is a modern slang which means wasted. If you smoke grass, you might know what that means. But that's not the kind of wasted I'm talking about. It points to the wastefulness and destruction of property, relationships, and a life that often goes along with darkness. That's what debauchery means. 
Do not get drunk on wine, because it will lead to debauchery. It will lead to darkness. Let me be the first to say now, okay, some of you are going to collect me in the foyer after, I do not say, or, for, or the Bible does not forbid, alcoholic beverages. But the Bible warns against drunkenness. The Bible warns against drunkenness. We do well this morning to ask the question, what does it take to be connected to the sustaining power of the Holy Spirit in our lives and in our circumstances? What does it take for that to happen? First, I would suggest to have a sustaining spiritual power is to live with every conscious er with, live within every conscious area of our life, yield to the Holy Spirit. Yielded to the Holy Spirit. Paul says, do not get drunk on wine, but be filled with the Holy Spirit. He doesn't say just take a glass of Holy Spirit and drink it. He says, be filled with the Holy Spirit. The weak Greek word here is a verb which really is best translated on keep on being filled. Keep on being filled with the Holy Spirit. Just as a person filled with wine is under the influence and control of that wine, so the person filled with the Spirit is under the sustaining power and control of the Holy Spirit who lives within you. What Paul is suggesting here is primarily about a condition of increasing spiritual maturity. Not about a momentary experience. Martin Lloyd-Jones, in his book entitled Life in the Spirit, states about the Spirit, this is not a critical experience. This is a state or a condition in which we are to live always and permanently. He goes on to point out that because Paul commands it, we are not to be passive as we wait for some sort of experience. Rather, it is something we must obey. The present tense of the verb indicates an ongoing condition so that the person may be characterized as full of the Spirit. The example of Jesus in Luke 4.1 describes Jesus as full of the Holy Spirit. In Acts 6.3, the apostles direct the early church to select seven good men of good reputation full of the Holy Spirit. Acts 11.12, Barnabas, the Bible says, was a good man and full of the Holy Spirit. So the phrase, full of the Holy Spirit, describes a person who habitually and visually lives with every hour of their life under the power of the Holy Spirit. You can see a person, obviously, that is full of the Holy Spirit. It's visible. 
It's tangible. It's relatable. We often take the Holy Spirit and put Him in this some sort of um, Star Wars. Let the Force be with you. That's not what it is. The Holy Spirit describes a person who is habitually and visually beginning to develop and live the life of fullness in Christ. The fullness of the Spirit does, mean, does not mean that he once had a dramatic experience, but rather that he, uh, the person has consistently walked with his life yielded to the Holy Spirit so that the fruit of the Spirit characterizes and visualizes that life. Often we think we can't see a person full of the Spirit because he's indwelling us, but it's some sort of funny thing in there. But the reality is the Bible says people who are full of the Holy Spirit can be recognized as such. But secondly, to be connected to the sustaining power of the Spirit, one must live with the Word of God permeating every area of their life. Ephesians 5.18 Ephesians 5.18 is obviously a parallel with Colossians 3.16. Let me read it for you. Let the message of Christ dwell among you riches dwell among you richly. Let me try that again. Okay. Ego now. Let the message of Christ dwell among you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom through psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. Notice that Colossians 3.16, rather than saying, being filled with the Spirit, Paul says, let the Word of Christ dwell in you richly. Let the Word of Jesus dwell in you richly. H. Ironside, a great author of uh, uh, long before many of us, wrote a book entitled Heavenlies. And he says, there is an old rule of mathematics that's equal to the same thing, things equal to the same thing are equal to one another. Now that can seem confusing unless you're a Josh Arnold. I mean, I looked at him and he got it. Yep, yep, I get it. I love these guys. But let me, for those of us who don't quite get it, help you. For instance, one plus one equals two. As does zero plus two equals two. And that's what Ironside is trying to suggest. That being filled with the Spirit and letting Christ's Word dwell richly in you are the same thing. They're equal one to the other. If we are to be filled with the Word, if, we, if to be filled with the Word is equal then to being filled with the Spirit. They're not separable. They're one and the same. Let me put this down in case you think there's alcohol in there. 
It should be clear that the word-filled Christian is equal to the Spirit-filled Christian. As the Word of Christ dwells in us, it begins to control our ways as we walk obedience to the Word. The Spirit of God fills, dominates, and controls us to the glory of Jesus. So to be connected to the sustaining power of the Spirit-filled Christian life you must be growing in your understanding and application of God's Word. You see, most people stop at understanding. But to be a Spirit-filled Christian, you must not only understand the Word of God, but you also must understand its applications and begin to walk in them. James puts it, we we shouldn't just be hearers of the Word, but we should be doers of the Word. And so if we want to be connected to sustaining Holy Spirit power, we have to ask ourselves, how connected am I to the Word of God? Where does it lie in my life? Is it on the bookshelf? Is it on your bedside table? But never opened. To be connected to the sustaining power of the Spirit, we must live with the Word of God permeating, permeating our life. Thirdly, to be connected to the sustaining power of the Holy Spirit requires an ever-deepening relationship with God through the Spirit. As I said before, what God is speaking about and what we know about the person of the Holy Spirit, He's not a force. Obi-Wan Kenobi got it wrong. He is a person that indwells us. Neither is being filled with the Spirit a mechanical formula that you go through So when you pull the Holy Spirit trigger, all the goodies begin pouring out. That's not what it means to be in connection with the Holy Spirit. Rather, it is a relationship with a triune God through His indwelling Spirit. It is a relationship. The Holy Spirit is a person that we can have a relationship with who we can talk to, who, if we pay attention and quiet ourselves, can talk back to us. This relationship is ever-deepening as you build it, which means that there is a difference between a new Spirit-filled believer and a more mature Spirit-filled believer. Our verse this morning supports that by being, keep on being filled. Now let me say this. Let me try to correct some Baptistic theology. I'm not suggesting in any way that when you receive Jesus, when you confess your sins, when you recognize that you have missed the mark, 
and that you're failing to be what God wants you to be, and you confess your sins before God, and you welcome Him into your life, you get the complete fullness of the Holy Spirit indwelling you. You don't get Him in pieces. An arm today, a leg tomorrow, an eye the next day. But the Holy Spirit then indwells you in His completeness. But the reality hits and we don't sense being filled as much as we should because we don't develop an effective relationship with the Holy Spirit. He is living in us, desiring relationship, desiring to commune with you, desiring to talk with you, desiring to embolden you in your Christian walk. You see, there, there are not necessary degrees of filling, but there's the mature understanding of the filling that grows as we develop a relationship. And so we become more focused on what He wants us to be. As you grow in the Word of God, the, the Spirit reveals new areas in your life that you need to surrender to Him. So, so your capacity for the sustaining power of the Spirit expands equal to our desire to have a relationship with Him. If we just have the Holy Spirit and say, okay, there you are. I suggest to you, because now I'm looking in the mirror. All right? Now I'm looking in the mirror. I've been in the pastorate a long time. I gave my life unknowingly that that's what God was going to use me for in 1978. But through circumstances through my connection with him, I got led to be a pastor. Never dreamed this alcoholic, irresponsible, non-loving husband, stealing from the employer, walked in darkness that the light of Jesus would come in and he would make me a minister of the gospel. That's the power of the Holy Spirit in people's lives. He will make you what He wants you to become. But I became that, but I kept the Holy Spirit in the trunk of my life. Because I didn't want to become charismatic. I didn't know what that meant. And whenever I went to one of those churches, people were speaking and I didn't even know what they were saying. And I didn't want any part of that, so I put him back here in the trunk, and I said, I'll call on you when I need you. What a terrible mistake. My 40 years as a minister would have been far greater had he not been in the trunk. And your life as a Christian will be far greater when you take him out of the back seat or the passenger side and put him in the driver's side. And let him begin to do with you and this church what he wants to do. 
Not what we want to do, but what He wants to do. This is His church. We talk about that all the time. It's all about Jesus. Well, you know the Holy Spirit is part of Jesus. And He's the one that lives in us, not Jesus. Where is Jesus? He's at the right hand of God. And He said, I will give you a helper. I'm going now. Maybe I'm going to get black here or something. I'm sorry about that. That's really a bad expression. Maybe I'm going to get like the Ethiopians and preach for an hour and a half. Amen. And by the way, forgive me, that's not, got nothing to do with skin color. That's a cultural thing. So forgive me, Selena, wherever you are, and others, Dell. But I just feel so, I feel so empowered that God wants this church to be doing what He wants it to do. So fourthly, quickly, to, con- to be connected to the sustaining power of the Holy Spirit one welcomes and anticipates special times when God grants extraordinary power for the moment. To be connected to the sustaining power of Jesus, the sustaining power of the Spirit, there are times when God is going to call you and anoint you for an extraordinary moment. One cannot read the Word of God without recognizing that there are occasions when special events happen. Certainly Peter in Acts 2 shows he had a spiritually connected power moment when he spoke to 3,000 for the first time. Or they spoke to the crowds and 3,000 came to know Jesus. Or again in Acts 3 when Peter and John walked through the gate beautiful to the temple, they saw the cripple, and they had a spiritual sustaining moment with the Holy Spirit, go over there and rise that man up. And he responded. Again, in, again Philip was doing his business and preaching to the church, and he was told to, go, told to go in a whole new direction, and he went and he ran into an Ethiopian reading the Bible in a chariot, and God gave him an extra special moment to jump into that chariot and lead him to Christ. Clear evidence from God's Word suggests that from time to time, a special anointing fell upon, will fall upon believers for a moment. Modern Christian Christianity is filled with many testimonies of God's Spirit empowering a moment. I've had the experience of casting out a demon. I've had the experience of laying on hands and a miraculous healing took place. But I do not have the gift of healing, nor do I have the gift of exorcism. I believe that those are available under the power of the Holy Spirit, from moment to moment, though, God will use you, and God will use me for an extraordinary moment. We have to be listening. We have to be watching. Maybe you're in Walmart. You're in a lineup. 
And the Holy Spirit whispers to you, I want you to go alongside of that person and just drop a small gospel nugget in a conversation. That's a sustaining power moment. The reason we don't do it is because we're not listening or because he's in the back seat. And he has to shout at us. Wow. Never expected that this morning. You see, I believe my pastoral ministry would have had more special anointed moments if I wasn't afraid. If I didn't contemplate would it work or wouldn't it work. If I didn't get attached to what I perceived the result should be. Often, we don't feel that boost of sustaining power in our life because we have fear. My greatest fear is overthinking. The Holy Spirit says something to me, Gary, I want you to go and pray for that person in church today. Gary, I want you to say this today. I want you to go and do this today. And I said, I start to think, oh, I wonder what people would think if I did that. When I have those thoughts, he's still in my trunk. He's not steering. I'm going to ask the worship team to come now. I, we know, I know, I know, 